Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos is a devout Christian grandmother from Michigan who has spent most of her life trying to improve the quality of education for poor kids. This was a mistake, right, Brain? Why, you fool, did you make us say yes to this interview? Oh, Left Brain, you're blowing it out of proportion. It's going to be just fine. Oh, I disagree. This is going to be worse than the Senate confirmation. Betsy DeVos visited the school in Florida on Wednesday. But like almost everywhere else she goes, she faced criticism. Betsy DeVos came to my school, talked to three people, and pet a dog. Do you Many see? The you see how this makes us look? To be fair, it was a very cute dog. Can't you see? We've only gotten her this far by avoiding unnecessary risk. The more we talk, the more we hazard people catching on to our true nature. You mean how you're made from Hitler DNA and I'm made of chipmunk parts? Precisely. They are not going to let this moment go by. They want gun control. Quick, make her say something about solutions and options and variety. They, they want a variety of things. They want solutions. Do you think that teachers should have guns in the classroom? That should be an option for states and communities to consider. I hesitate to think of, like, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Zorhoff. I couldn't ever imagine her. Right. Um, having a gun and uh, that up. We didn't have a teacher named Zorhoff. Please, I'd like to see the Google search capable, that can find the 1946 class records from Skull and Bones Elementary. But no one size fits all. And what kind of ideas will you be promoting? Here it is. They want to know about our plans for the future. All we need to do I is tell them the actually, truth. Oh, really? Um, you want Leslie Stahl to know that we're trying to create a for-profit theocratic educational system that crushes public schools in favor of a series of Marvel-branded child labor camps run by Pitbull? ...in coherent ways. Do you feel a sense of urgency? Yes. Because this sounds like talking. Yeah, no. They're, they're She's on to us. Where did you park the Cessna? Oh, just give it a rest. It's right outside behind the decoy Cessna. We have invested billions and billions and billions of dollars from the federal level, and we have seen zero results. But that really isn't true. Test scores have gone up over the last 25 years. So why do you keep saying nothing's been accomplished? Is that true? It sounds true. Well, Quick, actually, say something French. test scores vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world have not gone up. She's now considering scrapping the Obama-era guidance on how to identify, avoid, and remedy discriminatory discipline. Yeah, but let's say there, there's a disruption in the classroom, and a bunch of white kids are disruptive, and they get punished, you know, go see the principal. But the black kids are, you know, they call in the cops. Well, come on, we can all agree the black kid probably did something to deserve it. Of course, but we need to find the right way to phrase our answer. How about every kid needs to individually take individual responsibility for themselves, no matter I their mean, ethnic the background who, or limitations? Can you give me something 21% uh, less racist? Play. All of these issues or all of this issue comes down to individual kids. Well, it no, no. often comes down to um, I, I am committed to making sure that students have the opportunity to learn in an environment that is conducive to their learning. Do you see this disproportion in discipline for the same infraction as institutional racism? Quick, check your right hand. We wrote this answer on your right hand. Well, one sexual assault is one too many, and one falsely accused individual is... No, you imbecile, your right hand. We're studying it carefully and um, are committed to making sure students have opportunity to learn in safe and nurturing environments. 
While this regulation God damn you, right brain, you're killing us. I told you, you handle the confused, medicated reindeer look and the peroxide. I do the evasive doublespeak. Now, let me get us out of this. Have you ever had an issue? Um, I, I can recall a, a number of moments in the past, uh, several decades ago, that I think today would just be viewed as unacceptable. Yeah. Okay. See, I it's think that went pretty well. Yes, quite well. No thanks to you. Act. And you were worried. Oh, did I tell In you Washington. I booked this on 60 Minutes? This is the, quiet, this is the quietest beginning we've ever had. Shut the fuck up, dude. Dave. This is Bird Road. And this is Bird Road. I've got a whole new setup here. Dude. I'm like, I got two, the two computer thing going on. And um, it's, it's kind of disorienting and stupid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, got a, we got a guest today. Hopefully we don't lose him with, our, with, with all of our fun technical um, you know, prowess that we have. Uh, I want to introduce everyone to Jerry Ionelli, who's an intrepid reporter for the Miami New Times. Um, he's going to be guest hosting slash sort of co-hosting with us. Uh, welcome, Jerry. Hey, thank you. I love uh, Intrepid as always. It's only ever really uh, used for reporters. I don't hear it in any other context. I I told but. him to say that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it is like buxom, though. Like buxom is only yeah. used with blondes. <laughs> Nobody else has ever been buxom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, so, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. A, a, a few quick things to, to, to get to know, know Jerry. Um, Jerry and I just sort of connected last week because I wanted to have him on the show. We've never really talked before. I don't think we've ever talked before, right? Like, I know you minus probably... the yeah. five minute conversation to set this up. No, yeah. So, so Jerry's what we call in in the um, and I don't know. You correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, but based based on reading your stuff every week, it's Jerry's what's the, the dying breed of thing that that is so valuable called a GA or a general assignments reporter, a guy who can go out. And just sort of surround an issue and figure it out and and report it on a pretty quick, like pretty much on a dime. Um, so how, how long have you been doing that, Jer? Uh, coming up on three years for New Times and then between, I guess, four and five total in my career. So um, were, were you on the club horse beat this weekend or no? Did you not get I that? was not. That was uh, my colleague, Tim. Tim uh, Frank, yeah, from the, yeah, from the Miami New Times. Another yes. well-known uh, name down here. Uh, God bless him for for that. And uh, we're tell all us pulling. about the story. Go, I know it's not your story, uh, but tell us. About it. <laughs> we have a national audience. They might um, have heard that one, even though it's gone pretty viral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is a very common occurrence in South Florida, where uh, you bring a horse into the middle of a nightclub, and the horse freaks out, and there's a semi-nude woman on top of the horse. 
<laughs> and this is uh, we do this weekly down here. And <laughs> no, um, yeah, a, it's a club called Mokai Lounge uh, in South Beach that, for some godforsaken reason, decided to bring a white horse in the middle of the crowd of uh, drunk Miami idiots. And the horse predictably had no idea what the hell was happening, freaked out, and uh, terrified the entire crowd. Everybody started running by the end. Uh, the horse falls down. And I mean, it's really cruel what happened to the horse. And uh, the end result is that once the city of Miami Beach saw this was happening, uh, they shot Mokai down. And Mokai is now trying to justify reopening and has all these court things it's got to fight through now. Uh, but that is the uh, level of local stupidity that we're dealing with uh, yeah, right now. For those local, those those crazy kids over Mokai, because I just love going there constantly. I'm, I'm, I, you know, as everyone knows, I'm big, really huge into the club scene, and I'm, you know, at that, <laughs> that's one of my regular haunts that I'm that I'm at. <laughs> Dave, what was um, what was? It's funny. I'm joking, but we used to actually, in our ridiculous quest to just stabbing our penises around Las Vegas trying to figure out like where women were. We were we found ourselves in clubs all the time from age like 19 to 22. What was the weirdest shit that ever happened at a club, Dave? It has to be like getting shot at like by well while Dennis Rodman. That was, was a pretty weird one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were at Dennis Rodman's. I'll let you say it cuz you were actually I got there later. I didn't get shot at. It was you that got shot at. Yeah, it was me that got shot at. When you say at <laughs> Shot near. <laughs> yeah, shot near for sure. No, I was waiting in line to get in. I wasn't sure I was going to get in because of my uh, white tennis shoes. And luckily, shots started firing on the Las Vegas Strip. And I got to in the in the. Can we pause for a second? Crowd. Can, yeah. can we pause for a split second? Because uh, the <laughs> sentence you just said was, luckily, shots started getting fired. Yeah, That's play, the verbiage. He doesn't play but, his sentences before he, before he yeah, says them. Well, as a composer, he's never worked with the, with the written word before. He can barely. Things were a little different in the early 2000s, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was Dennis Rodman's club, Club Seven, that we ended up performing at a few times. Uh, that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun, and we, we got kicked out a pretty much equal amount of times. Um, <laughs> so, oh, wait, but you had to, Jerry, you have to have worked the um, the Grand Theft Auto sledgehammer story. Have you done any? Have you? Have you uh, oddly, no? uh, oh, I watched it and I laughed uh, to the point that I nearly cried. Uh, that man, that <laughs> was so incredible. I live pretty close to that intersection too and so it was very uh uh near and dear to my heart uh that was just just the the uh kissing your fingers meme just beautiful <laughs> it was um, it was incredible it was really like performance art like video yeah. game oh. uh, based performance art or something yeah like that. yeah it, it's the closest thing i've ever seen to real grand theft auto i've never seen anything that even nearly rivals that because it's just the the ability to just smash your car into things and then just keep going. And then it was like, it, it was like tiered. And so like he got past the first level yeah. and then the next level <laughs> is this insane man who just happens to have a sledgehammer. sledgehammer bashing. You didn't get to, have you seen this video? I don't know if this made it outside of South Florida or not. The, the guy who smashes and the, the video joins starts off with a SUV with the bump with bumper and fender hanging off. Clearly it, it caused an accident and it's the guy is trying to get away and he's just swarmed with pedestrians and people who i guess their cars were hit trying to like smack on the window bust the window get get him out he he makes his first escape hits another car in a very busy intersection <laughs> and 
I think in the Aventura neighborhood of uh, of uh, Aventura, Aventura, which is a city down here. No, it was uh, it was downtown. It was, oh, it, was it was downtown? right by the oh, okay. uh, yeah, it was right by the the tuttle, right by the entrance to the tuttle on thirty six. Oh, it Street. did look like that. It did look like that. That's yeah. right. So he <laughs> he's he, he hits another car, tries to make another getaway, but um, uh, sort of a an avenging sort of a you know living embodiment of Frank Castle or Punisher, some sort of um, uh, vigilante appears from nowhere with a sledgehammer and starts smashing his windows in. And this man's not involved in any way. No, no. This is not his car wasn't party. hit. This is not he, an agreed he, party whatsoever. <laughs> he just saw the man, looked to his right, there was a hammer in the seat, and he went, now's my time to shine. Now's my time to do it. And he just gets out and he starts breaking windows. It's incredible. I knew there was a reason I kept you here, Juniper. You're gonna do, you're gonna do good things today. Um, yeah, so it's, it's great living in South Florida. I mean, the, the, yeah. the thing I always joke about is South Florida and Vegas have so many similarities, but we, in Vegas, you'd never see about them or hear about them. They just kind of, I don't know why it's this like news dead zone where the weirdness doesn't get out. Um, but you see it, you see it all the fucking time. Um, yeah, so, but we didn't bring you on to talk about ridiculousness well actually i guess we kind of did but ri- ridiculous um florida man stories or anything like that we actually brought you on to to, to um uh, lend some actual journalistic credibility to our uh clown show organization i and- uh, <laughs> apologize for for failing immediately uh um for our a right. block i wanted to talk to jerry about a, a story that is probably like the most important thing that's facing everybody which is water the the issue of water and this the soon to be scarcity of it even in places like miami where water is constantly falling out of the sky J- jerry had a story today in the, in the new times about um on the new times miaminewtimes.com uh about a plan to sort of uh okay the process of dumping sewer treated water and i don't want to get this wrong i'll let you i'll let you explain it yourself because it's just so, uh you're not that far off it's yeah, just so uh, appetizing to to, <laughs> to to think about but um yeah uh, in, in the, the state of florida and all of its wisdom and and south florida being particularly you know environmentally conscious as we are down here um made made, uh, made some news today in water what, what's your story about jerry yeah, uh, so this kind of got buried, uh, right, I mean, rightfully so, to some degree, uh, buried behind all of the parkland gun control news, uh, which super we should be covering wall to wall. I get it. Um, but while that was all always happening, uh, basically what got approved last week uh, through both chambers of the legislature, and it's now sitting on by uh, on Rick Scott's desk, uh, as I believe at the time that we're taping this Monday night has not yet been signed, uh, a bill that lets local uh, uh, businesses that apply for permits dump treated sewage into drinking water aquifers underground. Well, explain and, to people uh, really quick, Jerry, like, what yeah. is... Because I, I think I'm, I think South Florida is unique in in the whole country and our sourcing of, of our drinking water and aqua from aquifers. Yeah. Explain like what that means for the folks who don't yeah. know. Uh, so Miami specifically in a lot of different parts of Florida, but very specifically South Florida, sits on top of what is called the Biscayne Aquifer, which is just a big underground store of clean water that you can drink, and uh, through the graces of nature. 
is was uh, when we go in. Uh, folks first figured out it was down there. It was clean, totally uncontaminated, just fresh water you could drink. Um, and obviously, through you know a few hundred years of human meddling, now uh, it is thanks to sea level rise being threatened by uh, saltwater intrusion. So it's turning from fresh into salty and undrinkable water. Uh, it is through a host of various underground dumping schemes, uh, you know, getting contaminated with little bits here and there. And obviously it, you know, it's not just like a well where you just go and like suck water out with a straw. It still gets treated afterwards to some degree. But uh, the basic thing is that once you introduce a huge amount of pollutants into that water environment, you just can't get them out. Yeah, so the Republicans who have been pushing this through the legislature say, oh, well, it's treated sewage, so it's clean, and it is up to, it would have to be up to federal drinking water standards to be considered treated. But if you actually look at that, what that means, it still means there are human-created chemicals in the water uh, that are not naturally in that water system yeah those standards but then those you standards start... are like abject bullshit because they're yes. not they're not pegged <laughs> they're not pegged to any real science it's just sort of like this is a standard sure yeah it's it's technically the federal government says you can drink it but you know you <laughs> well they're gonna a, just keep chipping yeah. away at that regulation like yeah. little bit by little bit anyways so it's like Wherever you start, it's just going to get worse from there. Yeah, and well, so yeah, what, what most that, people haven't mentioned is that Rick Scott is a um, is is a, is uh, an initial. He lives founder. off sewage. Yeah, well, no, he, he, <laughs> he's, he's a he's a founder of a of a, of a he's a, a equity holder in a in a new startup that kind of props your backup and allows you to just shit directly into your own mouth. And like you know, eliminate all the middlemen in this whole process, and just have you drinking your own sewage at one point. Yeah, and uh, but in terms of chemically, it means that uh, specifically the guidelines don't say remove all of the pharmaceutical runoff, basically. And so that's the biggest thing that environmentalists are worried about: is that the sewage just it will. It's not even a, a maybe; it just will have human pharmaceutical runoff in it. So. The joke, I believe one legislator who had been opposed to this said was like, okay, well, we don't need to prescribe Viagra anymore because you can just start drinking the water from the aquifer. Um, so wait, and help, me, that's, help me understand yeah. because is this one of the many, 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 many legislative issues that is basically middle finger to South Florida from Tallahassee where we're just outvoted? and Or, or is this one where are there interests here in South Florida that really want this? There are certainly... Uh, I guess in terms of voting interests, uh, I can't quite answer that for you. But in terms of business interests, there certainly are people uh, in South Florida who would want it because uh, the way one activist described it to me, and it, it makes perfect sense when you really think about it, is that this is pitched as a way to replenish the aquifer uh, due to human growth, population growth in the area. And their solution, which is the dumbest possible timeline we could live in, is let's just dump all the old poop water in, um, and that'll count as uh, a green initiative. But it's a way to uh, deal with a spiraling population that is basically being 
pushed by all these property developers. And so you have property developers who are like, all right, well, we don't want to say, we can't just admit publicly that we don't have the resources to really take care of this population. Because if we admit that, the game is up and the, the whole thing is, the jig is, the jig is up and the whole thing is out in the open. So we have to figure out a different way that we can continue to grow and then pretend like everything's fine. And that is really <laughs> one of the solutions and I think you'll continue to see more stuff like this as our the population continues to increase while seas are uh, while seas are rising and uh, while resources continue to be hoarded by uh, rich folk and it's be fucking, it's generally fucking bonkers. Yeah, here. I, I, yeah. I, I swear. Have you ever um, have you ever interviewed uh, Hal Wanless over at UM? No, I've not. So he's a climatologist over there, and he's yeah. one of the more he's like rumpled sort of older dude. Uh, in his, the best kind. In his, yeah, he's yeah the best <laughs> kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who literally doesn't give a shit. So you know that you can believe every <laughs> word that he says. Uh, there's a great excerpt in uh, in, in um, the uh, recent book, uh, "The Waters Will Rise" by uh, Rolling Stone editor, where he sat in on a meeting with with this guy Hal Wanless and a bunch of um, you know mm-hmm. local developers and uh, real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of like like low rent George Perez type guys, yeah. And um and and they were saying, <laughs> like a a woman said to him, a real estate developer said to him, "You're just saying this because you want money." And he just looked around the room. <laughs> and he was like, "You think I'm doing what I'm doing because I want money?" <laughs> so, uh, but I, I mean, like having heard him talk for, for you know, I, I swear that there's space in this in this conversation for a real everybody's always like what you touched on it you said the jig is up right like people will get too scared people will freak out there's gonna come that moment that inflection point where people realize like oh shit this place doesn't have a future and uh, you know like you said there's there's creeping salt water into our our water source i mean it's when 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 we have to leave South Florida eventually, we haven't really talked environmental stuff on or climate change on this show yet, but we're only about twenty some odd episodes in. But still, when that happens, it, it's that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like water problems. It's going to look like lack of access yeah. to water. Yeah, or uh, too much water. Yeah, <laughs> um, the kind that you don't want to, the kind that makes you shit <laughs> everywhere and die. Yeah, I mean that is. I mean there are two major things that we talked. I mean. The media, quote unquote, in general, talks a lot, a lot, a lot about, you know, okay, well, the ocean's coming in and maybe we'll have some boats and it'll be nice and it'll be, you know, uh, a Venice on the south tip of America. But the thing nobody talks about is, A, yeah, that, which is that uh, our all of our drinking water is underground and surrounded by very porous limestone and the salt water just gets in and eventually it just won't be drinking water. It will just be ocean. Uh, and then B, it'll also be way too hot all the time. Miami's ranked number one across the board in terms of just what projected heat increase is supposed to be. And so uh, unless the boats all have sort of bubbles around them where you're just not breathing any of the air, uh, it's going to be oppressively insanely hot. And so those things are going to happen, I think, before you get you know your, your beautiful Miami tourism gondolas. Uh, there, is, there is space in the political conversations down here not yet, maybe, but in the next 10 years, mark my words, there's going to be a, I don't know if it's going to be a, as low as a city commissioner or as much as a, as a, as a U.S. Senate candidate. Somebody's going to make the point or, or, or make the plank in their platform a plan for the future 
that that doesn't involve staying. Somebody's going to say we need to mm. hold down insurers right now because right now that is the that is the big problem. It, the, yeah. the smartest people in the room are the are the insurance companies. Oh yeah, they're pulling out. They know they're not stupid, and yeah. and the big developers are hitting the brakes on a lot of their larger long term projects because they're also smart money. It's all the dumb money that's still coming. <laughs> so like when that inflection point comes. Somebody's going to need to sit down and say, okay, guys, we've got maybe 50 or 60 years left in this city, but let's pin down the insurance companies, all of the private sector that's involved in in, in, fee, uh, in contracting and supporting FEMA, and make sure that when the time comes, there is a plan in place, and make sure that the plan is drawn up right now. Nobody is talking about that. Everybody is still in fantasy land uh, when it comes to that. I mean, Dave, it's yeah. kind of the oh, same thing. Sure. It's kind of the same thing in, in, in Nevada with the Colorado river is not just going to grow out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was reading there saying we're going to get the water from the Pacific soon. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna, that'll be an easy fix. <laughs> just haul it up like <laughs> half a mile into the, into the <laughs> half a mile in elevation into the Vegas Valley. That should work out. <laughs> not forget about like, have you ever seen mm-hmm. the waste of a desalinization plant? It's just, it's beautiful. It's <laughs> that is our second problem too. Uh, just in terms of Florida being shaped the way it is, is that there's no way for nowhere really for waste to go. Because yeah. you to haul things out of South Florida, it has to go up. The only way you can go is up, unless you take it on a boat. And that's a problem with like nuclear waste, for example. Is they're like, all right, well, if we have a nuclear plant in Miami, we're not going to drive this to Georgia every day. Yeah. Um, so what do we do? And it's just, it's, it's when you really think about the way this entire place was, was not planned to begin with, it's, it, you're, it, it's hard not to feel like your brain is exploding. Yeah. It's, we've got, we've got Turkey point, a like creaky, cracked, leaky, you know, mess of a, of a nuclear plant down here. And then out in Vegas, well, out in Nevada, I guess in Southern Nevada, you guys have Yucca Mountain. What's the status of Yucca Mountain, Dave? I haven't. I mean, that was that's been an ever-present sort of controversial touch point. I mean, like when I moved to Vegas in like 1998, when I was like 18 years old, they were talking about that. But I, I don't think that there's any resolution yet. What they're what they're doing with Yucca Mountain? No, no, it's something that's an ongoing fight, and it's just going to keep being a fight, especially now with Trump bringing you back up. It's a yeah, just stuff it in the mountain. Just yeah. stuff it <laughs> in the mountains. Nobody goes. Hey, it's gonna create jobs for Nevadans. Lots yeah, of great uh, jobs. New doctor jobs, removing extra eyes and arms. Yeah. And- <laughs> jobs de 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 eyeballing the three eyed fish like from the- <laughs> <laughs> new chefs for new kinds of animals. There you go. New zoos. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, okay, so. Yeah, our water's fucked down here, and I, I'm telling you, somebody, <laughs> so, somebody who can speak frankly in the in, on the issue will make hay and capture people's yeah. attention after the next, the what Irma was supposed to be, and wasn't, when the real one actually comes, and the water comes in uh, along Brickle Avenue and uh, and Biscayne, yeah. and doesn't come back out right away. Yeah, that's when somebody's going to be able to to, to get yeah. people's attention. Well, the terrifying thing is. We kind of saw that in Texas with Harvey, and then the conversation, you know, we didn't have that sustained a month-long, uh, like, parkland, like, we have to do something right now. The second, 
uh, response that we saw in Parkland. And that that's my fear. I mean, my, my overarching fear is that a lot of people end up dying or losing their homes before anything really happens. Yeah, and no, that's what will I, happen. It'll be the poorest, yeah. the poorest among us. When every, it'll be the people who are in, I mean, it, it, the, the places that are, believe it or not, most at risk are far inland, like Sweetwater, uh, Miami oh, yeah. Gardens, places like that are the ones that are that are lowest lying in in, yeah. in the area, and also the ones who are going to be subjected to the, the the financial impacts that have yeah. health consequences that aren't immediate. They aren't drowning in the streets. It's something mm-hmm. else. It's lack of resources. It's lack of yeah. care. And yeah, that's that's what that's what it'll really look like. It won't be like a, a Dwayne Johnson movie. It'll be <laughs> way more boring than that. It'll be a Gary Oldman movie. Yeah. Oldman movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, onto onto our B block. Uh, the thing that I originally had contacted, this you know this ghoulish fucking legislation had just sort of wended its way through over the weekend, and like Jerry said, and so I wanted to talk first about that because it's also. I think kind of far more important, but the thing I originally wanted to talk to him about is it's so hard to find voices down here in South Florida who are willing to say certain things. Okay. It's hard to find somebody down here who will um, cast even the slightest aspersions or, or even throw a little bit of criticism towards certain sacred cows. Enter a sacred cow named Donna Shalala who just announced uh. a week ago that she's uh, that she's running for for Congress and she's probably fucking gonna win. I mean, I don't. She's got a, she has an actual like like dump truck filled with real gold doubloons and she's just gonna dump it on all <laughs> the rest of the candidates, all the all the rest of the candidates until they drown. Uh. Um, so Donna Shalala, for those that don't know, was the uh, one time president of um of the University of Miami down here. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the president of the um, Clinton Foundation, which has you know never been implicated in anything negative and nobody has ever criticized it and definitely doesn't yeah, come with any the... kind of baggage. <laughs> Um, she very famously uh very famously was was uh working on initiatives to try to feed the poor uh you know in in haiti and africa while while uh starving literally starving janitors at U- the university of miami while they were on a yeah. hunger strike for um uh, for better wages uh so she's kind of one of these characters dave that we that you and i bust on quite a bit and um she's like actually if they were to make if if hillary clinton were ever to drop any pretenses she had and like assume her real form it would be Donna <laughs> like that's yeah. so um jerry's been following this story what, like what's gonna what's gonna happen here i know that there was a packed field i mean i, I feel bad for these guys from the miami-dade um democrat organization because they've been interviewing at a bar every night all of these different uh uh you know city commissioners and and, and yeah. county commissioners who were taking a stab at this wide open seat that's going to be left by Ileana rose layton and that's clearly going to be democrat uh democrat seat yeah i mean um, whoever wins this primary just wins like there's no well, hang on yeah. now. Don't count out Willie Chirino's daughter. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Angela? I think it's Angela or Angie. Angie Chirino. Angie. Dave doesn't. Dave has no idea what we're talking about. No, I don't know these people. <laughs> I don't know if I you should, know, but I don't. Willie Chirino is like a, a salsa star, a Cuban salsa <laughs> musician. And he's like well-known anywhere south of the 595 in Florida and nowhere else beyond that. But um, his daughter is running for... Uh, 
for the Republican seat. That His daughter, who have you guys, uh, uh, David, have you seen the video of Angie singing to announce Jeb Bush's 2016 candidacy? candidacy? <laughs> that oh, is, right. it's one of my favorite. It's like something out of a David Guest movie. It's it's oh, nice. incredible. It's like it's literally. I mean, it it, it was run exactly the way you think Jeb Bush's 2016 uh, candidacy announcement <laughs> would have gone, where he announces the Chirino sisters. No one really is like that hyped about it. They're where at I believe like, where, I believe Miami did college. It was in Miami okay, at MDC. Um, they got you know some lukewarm applause, but they're not uh, Willie Chirino, so the crowd wasn't like you know, going bananas. They're just like, all right. And it's like, okay, it's like Justin Timberlake's kid or something. Like, who cares? <laughs> and they try and sing. And for literally the first, like, maybe five to eight minutes, none of the technology works. And it all shorts out on them. They're just literally standing on stage with wires just, like, surrounding them. It's incredible. It's it's the most, it's like a piece of performance art. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like one of our old shows, um, Dave. When right, you were right. To, when you were trying to hook a fucking like a Zoom up to like a ten thousand dollar stereo system at yeah. fucking Moose McGillicuddy's yeah. or something, that was pre Zoom. Um, that was a Creative Labs MP3 player. <laughs> so, so that's the the competition uh, on the Republican side, and the other Republican running is Bruno Barrero, the county commissioner who yeah. masterminded the terrible. Mar- Marlins Park Stadium deal that is nationally and internationally known as like the, one of the worst taxpayer deals in American history. Okay, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But do you think, let me ask you something. I'm, I'm really curious because I remember okay. reporting on that deal when it was getting like hammered out yeah. when I was on the sports desk at the Herald uh, yeah. like 10 years. Oh my God, that was like 10 years ago. Um, do you think that's the, the, Marlin, the Marlins Stadium fiasco? Is that something that's on people's mind anymore? Do you think? I don't think it's on people's mind anymore, but it certainly will be on their mind when they start getting mailers yeah. from Democratic Party saying, hey, uh, remember when Bruno Barrera did this terrible thing that screwed you out of a bunch of money? Do you like, uh, you know, and Bruno Barrero, uh, bless his little heart, is just not very bright as a person and as a campaigner. Um, I've heard him talk. I've, I, I don't know him personally, so if he hears this and gets offended, he can contact me. My emails in my Twitter bio. But uh, I just... I don't find him to be a very compelling character, and I don't think the rest of Miami really will either. So I don't think if he wins the Republican nomination, uh, which is not even worth at this point even wasting our breath on, um, I think he gets. I think the the Marlins Park thing just. Well, just, just I mando an email. I put it in the Word document. I hit send. I don't know, man. It's not. It didn't, you didn't see my shit. What's up? <laughs> you fucking trying to ignore me, bro. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway. So if you listen to this show, you're probably of a certain political persuasion or you just hate listen to us. Uh, and if you're of that political persuasion, you're one of the people who likes to take a few shots at the more established um, dem- Democrats out there and the people who make up what is called the Democrat elite. And um, Shalala absolutely is firmly in that camp. So tell us about... I mean, does she have any positions? Has she come out and said anything? I mean, what? what, As far as I'm aware, she has not. Uh, I don't. I mean, the only thing that she I've really seen her campaign blast out that she's running on is opposition to Trump and just saying literally publicly, just like, uh, who do we think we are as a society that this 
horrible man was elected uh, based on all of the decisions me and my friends made for the last 30 years. Um, and like, other than that, I haven't seen any policy. I mean, I haven't, to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of policy from most of the people running, but to answer your initial question, there are, in terms of, uh, what happens to all these other candidates that are running, there are eight Democrats in the primary as it stands. And some of them, maybe two or three of them are solidly kind of progressive, you know, nobody burning the house down progressive, no, uh, Jeremy Corbyn type figures to, of which to speak, but you know, some solidly progressive folk, uh, two, three, four of them are nobody. And maybe one or two of them are disastrous, terrible choices. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're free to look in my reporting archive and see which no, ones I, mean, I, I, I think I've those been, are. I've been keeping up um, with them. As, as, as yeah. some people know, I've been going to, to those. I went to a few of those little things. Like, for instance, okay, I used to work with Matt Hagman at the Herald, right? I don't okay. think Matt Hagman's the right guy. He's, he's, yes, he's, I he's, completely agree. He's like, um, you know, I worked with him at Knight Foundation. I worked with him at, at the Miami Herald. I like him as a, as a person. He's a really nice guy. And uh, I just think that he's one of these sort of technocrat. For every yeah. oh, pro yeah. every problem in society, there's an app type guys, and yeah, I don't agree with that. That's exactly the type of person he is to a T. Yeah. Um, and then the you know I was actually surprised there was a guy who I didn't really know that much about. I think Ken Russell, who's a city commissioner, I didn't. Really yeah, Ken's know. okay. And uh, I was surprised to hear him talk about some really sort of progressive viewpoints from you know from the perspective mm -hmm. of South Florida. That is, which is always sort of graded on a curve when it comes to that. Uh, yeah, Ken, I mean, the issue with Ken, the issue with, with a couple of them is, is just fundraising. I mean, Ken started his career. Ken actually started his politics career. He was a long-haired surfer, and he read a New Time story about uh, toxic parks, and that's his famous kind of how I got into politics story. Yeah. So I take some responsibility, not me personally, but we take some kind of responsibility for Ken. Um, but, I mean, his issue is he ran on this sort of let's get corporate and developer money out of politics uh, platform and now after kind of declaring his run for Congress has fundraised from all the same excuse me all the same people he said he disliked uh, which is a bit of a, a bit of an issue uh, and if you're sort of of the political persuasion I think uh, most of your listeners are uh, it's probably upsetting to a lot of them uh, you have Kristen Rosen Gonzalez who is just kind of just out of her mind <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better word. Is, um, is she a Miami, um, Miami Beach commissioner, right? Or, yeah. yeah. Uh, she's a college professor and school teacher by day, um, or was, I should I should say, and became a Miami Beach city commissioner and has a long-standing habit of not understanding most things and being angry at people for extremely not obvious and, and confusing right reasons. Um she infamously, uh, I, I wrote about this when it happened. She, uh, one of her maximum campaign donors, you know, gave the federal $2,700 maximum, was a firearms dealer to police and also owns the lock and load machine gun shooting range in Wynwood. And during Hurricane Irma, uh, didn't like that a lot of his fire alarms in his building were going off. So his solution for that was to strap on a army a tactical vest a kevlar tactical helmet strap an ar-15 to his body grab a machete and just start running around outside and inside his um inside his uh, apartment complex chopping fire alarms down 
why with a with a machine gun tra- or I guess with an assault style rifle uh, strapped so to his back. So he was a hero, is what you're saying. Yeah, we've all uh, we've all been was, there. Yeah, he was uh, making the making everything. He had a gun, so everything was safe. It was the safest place uh, you safest could be. Place was next to him. Is with a good yeah. guy with a gun chopping down fire yeah. alarms. Um, but she she then uh, I obtained some emails that actually showed her uh, trying to get the police to not arrest him for some strange reason. <laughs> Uh, she's literally I remember emailing. that story of yours because yeah. it really, um, when you say for some strange reason, like you're not joking around, it was just the, I'm not joking. I don't was, think she understood on, why. You don't want to do that. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think she understood why that was not okay. I mean, that's that's kind of, if you really follow her as a politician, that seems that's kind of her general MO is just like doing stuff and then sometimes maybe it's good and sometimes she makes catastrophically bad decisions and does not understand why they have happened and blames everyone else around her for them. Uh, and then you have uh, folks like Jose Javier Rodriguez, who's a state uh, senator right now, and you have Mary Barzi Flores, who is a Mary former Barzi public Flores, defender. Mary Barzi Flores, who's not shying away, who's taking shots. Yeah. At, uh, oh, yeah. At uh, and uh, and David Richardson, who is a, a, a state uh, legislator as well. Um, who are all, again, like pretty solidly left of center and would represent, you know, a new, I think, kind of semi-interesting direction for where the Democrats in Florida want to go after 2018. And they basically can choose whoever they want because whoever wins is, gonna, is pretty much just going to trounce whoever the Republican is. And so that's what you had up until like uh, last week. And everybody knew Shalala was coming. Um, yeah, it was an open secret. She it was an open secret. Fernando Mondi, uh, Fernando Mondi to come up with a poll that showed how much she would win by basically. Yeah, uh, and Fran's still uh, uh, running the ship, basically. And, yeah, now that uh, Shalala comes in and just steamrolls all over the rest of them, and it's just like, all right, well, I have all the name recognition. I have all the money. Uh, I can call anyone I want for fundraising. I have a bunch of famous friends that can probably make ads for me. And the rest of you folks are screwed and also... Probably most of my political positions were maybe kind of centrist in the 90s, which means they are uh, uh, maybe even to the right of center now in 2018. And I am 77 and don't understand anything about the current political movement. And you're stuck with me. Have fun. And probably probably the, 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 the least palatable part of let me frame this right, because when you think about the wave of goodwill or progressive sentiment that was behind Barack Obama in 2008 and his election and, and the, the hope and the change and all that. You think of it sort of, if you think far enough back and, and think accurately enough about it, you, you, you frame that against the economic conditions that were going on. It was a yeah. terrible time. Uh, uh, you know, just one aspect of that had to do with, with the mortgage crisis, right? And talk a little bit about one of the things that you've written a lot about is, is Shalala's role with uh, Lennar and her yeah. sort of presence during that time. Talk, talk oh my God. Uh, so I guess it's sort of two things for me that, that bug Shalala, or excuse me, that, that bug me about Shalala. Um, besides the fact that she's just generally very rich and comes from that sort of established political class of DC sort of folk. Um, but she's a woman who, I guess to, to lay out two things, one worked on the, uh, board of directors for Lennar corporation, which is the second largest home builder in the United States, uh, and it's based out of Miami. And during the, they literally had a hand in creating the housing bubble. 
Uh, and take it, my, my dad during that, after the crash was out of work for three years, I have a lot of sort of personal, you know, uh, 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 hardship that this entire crash put on me. And I'm sure pretty much anyone listening to this, you know, does not remember that as a fond time. Uh, and this company literally was, I guess two things were happening. One, Lennar was building like crazy. They were slapping uh, buildings together anywhere they could, especially in South Florida, uh, at as fast a rate as humanly possible. Really shitty uh, prefabricated. Yeah, like, yeah, awful, not even awful. Really just, just like throwing $350,000 price tags on them and accept. And, yeah. yeah. Um, and we, uh, Tim Alfred, my coworker in 2010 did an investigation that's many of those homes were built with Chinese drywall, which is literally toxic and can possibly give you cancer. Um, Tons so of it's, still it's that's, even yeah, that's not a joke. Yeah. Uh, and then B, uh, Lennar owns a mortgage underwriting company called universal American that sold subprime loans. <laughs> they dealt, so she dealt subprime loans in the lead up to the housing crisis and she wants to be a commissioner or a, a congressperson now. Right. That is, for, uh, for it one is, of the areas most impacted in the country along with maybe it is, Detroit and Las Vegas. The, yeah. Uh, the, the, one of the most decimated uh, metropolitan areas from the, the it's mortgage. It's baffling to me. Um, and so on top of that, uh, she also, after leaving, because she was, we also haven't mentioned that she served uh, under Bill Clinton as the Health and Human Services Secretary throughout the 1990s. Uh, and so she leaves that job in 2001 and immediately goes and sits on the board of um, United Health, one of the largest private for-profit insurance companies for health insurance in America. I guess we haven't mentioned that she served as the Health and Human Services Secretary uh, in the cabinet under Bill Clinton throughout the 1990s. She leaves that job in 2001 after Bush is elected, and she goes to work on the board of the of United Health, uh, one of the largest for-profit private insurance companies in America. And in 2005, she sells all the stock that she made, basically, uh, she got from serving on the board and makes $5 million in a day selling stock. Uh, or I guess in a, in a maybe not in a day, but in a, in a, a single day, sale. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's money she's made off the backs of poor and dying Americans. I don't, there's no other way to put that. Uh, and, you know, single-payer health care and Medicare for all kind of always should have been a discussion we were having since it literally works everywhere else uh, besides that it's that's been used. Um, but especially in this climate where we really are talking about this uh and a lot of sitting politicians have actually endorsed the idea of moving us toward that kind of system uh, i think voters should be asking themselves do you want a person who uh is buddies with the ceo and uh other board members of united health becoming a congressperson in this age yeah. and it is it is the record really astounding to me it, it's it's crazy and I mean, when, when you think about her, like I always thought of her in the, you know, from when I lived, when I first moved here, she was always top of mind with respect to her position at the University of Miami. And yeah. I, I still think it's ironic that if she, if she were to somehow pull a Hillary and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory in, in, in this uh, 
district that's set up for her, basically, it mm-hmm. would probably be because she was president during the time that the hurricane that the Canes kind of went from being good to being terrible. Um, <laughs> that would probably be the reason that everybody shits on her. Uh, I think there'd be more tonnage of mailers about that than there would be about her time at United Healthcare or. or, uh, <laughs> or um, it's it's crazy. I, I will say that like. Okay, she's not Ileana Rosalitan, right? If you're somebody who has liberal yeah. leanings or, or left, but barely. I mean, how barely. different is she really than Ileana, right. than someone like Ileana Rosalitan? Because Ileana Rosalitan is one of the most liberal members of the Republican Party. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, and it's, so, how big is that Venn diagram, really? Like, yeah. Probably overlap fully. It's probably a, a pretty perfect circle. Just one yeah, is red and the other's blue. Yeah. I, I honestly would be surprised if they really differed that much in terms of basic policy positions, especially if you talk about like foreign policy, banking regulation, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Well, I would I, say I the would one be, key difference is yeah. this. The one key difference is that Ileana Rosalitan, in, 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 her, in her wisdom, knows that she, this isn't a party that she belongs in anymore, Yeah, at least not in an, in an elected position, and she's leaving. She made that choice yes. and was very ambiguous about like family and why she's leaving and whatever. It's the fact that this party is Donald Trump's party. It's not Ileana Rosalitan or Jeb Bush's party anymore. Yeah. So that said, a like extreme centrist or even like slightly right centrist like that, uh, if the the only hope that I hold out is is when Shalala is 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 crowned, um, <laughs> that she'll feel some obligation to groups or organizations on the left that put her there. And uh, whereas an Ileana Rosalitan had never had any obligation to those groups never felt any loyalty or any necessity to even hear them but out. why would why would donna i mean she's the people who are going to put her there are the people who are going to fund her campaign no she's not going to get the endorsements from your your grassroots like justice democrats right. and uh you know any of the sort of grassroots it's such a wrong fit it's such a wrong yeah, fit it's just, right now it's it's I mean you, you talk about Rose Leighton's looking at this and saying, Okay, this is not my party. I'm getting out of here. The direct opposite happened in Shalala's case, where she looked at everything and said, Oh, this is my party right. and I need to step in or it will no longer be my party. And that's a much more in in my mind and a much more arrogant and a much more uh sort of establishmentarian decision uh than than what sort of Ross Lightning did. Um she's a Dina Titus, Dave, is is what she is. Right. I mean, like she's one of those, you know, she's just so well resourced, well healed, and it's it's like the inevitability of a hurricane. Like you know that it's gonna right. land. You're just wondering <laughs> yeah. what the severity is gonna be and when when it when it when it actually does, you know? Um I just would be stunned if she loses the primary. I would not be stunned if she loses the actual general election, given that she ran the Clinton Foundation and uh, so much ammunition. There are certainly, yeah, there's just so much there. Um, And so I would actually uh, not be stunned if, if that winds up burning her and the Florida Democrats do what they always do and just royally screw this up, up in every way possible. Uh, and I want I also want to note that uh, you mentioned Fernando Monti earlier, the, who's actually a friend, was a friend of mine. 
uh, has so officially Fernand, said Fernand that I will can be a nice guy. Like yeah. He's, and he's a real personable dude. And yeah, I, mean, yeah. I used to I know him personally. work with him occasionally and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fernand has officially said, uh, I will never speak to Donna during this campaign. Uh, I'm not allowed as a New Times reporter. We've been too mean to her. And questions about her record will not be answered. No, no, no. So that's the quality of the public discourse that uh, uh, we're getting from who the woman will probably be Miami's new congresswoman. Not to get (laughs) get Fernand shit, but I'm going to give Fernand shit right now. If you... I don't even think that his his old show on six ten and Dave, this guy is a um this guy's John Ralston. He's John Ralston down here. Basically. Okay. That's what he is. And uh but not a reporter. He's he he is a um a personality on radio, right. sometimes on television. Uh he uh is a partner in a very successful uh, polling firm, very influential polling firm down in Coconut Grove. And um his his radio show on on I think it was on WIOD when it was on it uh the day of the election it was a party it was an actual in studio party. <laughs> oh i didn't know this him oh no three or four oh no the most uncomfortable person oh. in the room was um politico's mark caputo who uh, you know to his credit at least he's a pretty mark is a pretty bombastic guy but tries to yeah. you know, present a very even face you know the very traditional you know, old school style reporter, like you, you don't, you wouldn't know that he has opinions one way or another, but he's a, a pretty outspoken guy, but plays it down the middle. But he had all this typical cast of, you know, contributors like Mark and people like that on. And it was just, it sounded like, uh, it just, it sounded like a quinceanera was happening in there. They were going crazy. <laughs> and they were like, see you all in Hillary Clinton's America tomorrow, folks, when they logged off at like 11 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> wow it was wow. one of the most i mean along no. with just generally being a depressing oh. day it was just really sad to to hear and the next day he he got on the air and um this was during a period of time where for some reason i was driving a lot during the hours of like 10 a.m mm. and uh i was like going i was in the field a lot for some reason and um <laughs> he was just it was it it went from from that to awake in in out of 24 hours 22 hours <laughs> and he was just like i don't know i don't know this country i don't know what this country is i don't know and i could tell that was the roots of the trump derangement syndrome where people were going to start losing their shit yeah start eating oh, yeah. their own and start going fucking bonkers and i was like yeah okay yeah. that and then also the keeping it 1600 guys like the next day after oh, the, those guys were like same thing. Oh, like they're insufferable. Yeah, and it was unbelievable. Yeah, we're all alt right here, by the way. That's that's, yeah, that's uh, what the joke that's is. Is that what? Yeah, nice. <laughs> we're all proud boys. Yeah, I love this. We're show. all in the proud boys. Yeah, um, you joke. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for that to get taken out of context and, and <laughs> just just that little audio clip. And just being Jerry, Jerry Ionelli. That's, that's the episode yeah. title. Yeah, yeah, there we by go. By the way, yeah, we'll make it easy for them, and we'll also <laughs> yeah. put in a marker for the yeah. <laughs> a metadata marker. Be like, go to uh, minute 40, uh, 4851 yeah. to hear Jerry say that he's alright. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll have at least five readers out there, because this is Miami, who are like, I fucking yeah. knew it. I knew it. Oh, oh, you don't even... Oh, five is a, is a real low ball for, for the amount of hate mail I get. So, wait. Last uh, thing I want to talk about with you before yeah, we go. Yeah. Tell me about working at the New Times, man. I always kind of like, uh, uh, like when um, I don't know if Francisco's still there or not, but I always sort of like. Uh, uh, kind of, he's sometimes there as a freelancer nowadays. Francisco Alvarado um, is like a, a very well. Like if if you have 
paid any attention to journalism in South Florida in mm-hmm. the last, like, I don't know, 15 years or something. Very well known. We use that word intrepid mm-hmm. again. Intrepid reporter who's broken crazy stories. Tim, another one who's, who's there. I, you guys always seemed like uh, like like the more fun place to work when I was a, a, a GA mm-hmm. myself over at the Miami Herald. What, what What's it like over there? Uh, well, we wake up in the morning and we meet with the Illuminati to decide what the news will be and who we will, uh, who we're going to take down um, for uh, violating the established order. No, uh, it is, uh, it's a blast. Um, you know, the, uh, I guess the, I, I don't, uh, kind of by design, the the reporters and even some of the management don't exactly know how the business model works sometimes. Um, I actually, cause I, I came down here because I was working for the Philadelphia city paper, which I'm from Philly. Uh, and after going to school for, to learn how to be a, a liberal journalist hack, um, <laughs> came down back home to Philly to work for my local alt weekly. And then four months into having that job, it, the law, the entire alt weekly stopped existing because this yeah. business model just doesn't work in 2018. And uh, so whenever you're working for an all weekly, you're, you're kind of just terrified that the whole thing will come crashing down around you at any minute. Um, but ignoring that gnawing sense of dread all the time, it's a very fun place to work. Um, Tim is uh, the dude who's kind of in charge of day-to-day news operations, and he's the smartest person I've probably ever worked with or probably ever will work with in my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, we sort of take it as our responsibility to just kind of say things in print that we know everyone else, especially in Miami, but B kind of elsewhere in Florida even just isn't going to say, um, in terms of covering, say, certain Democrats, Critically, like Bill Nelson is, for example, someone who I've repeatedly, uh, or other senator besides Marco Rubio, uh, who I've repeatedly whacked for. From the state. Yes, yeah. who's a Democrat, but is another one of these Shalala type, absolutely worthy of criticism figures, um, who doesn't get it for the most yeah. part because no, um, he's old and no, he's wallpaper. And, it's yeah, just like, you know, um, but he still does things that matter to a lot of people, right. and I don't see really a lot of, if not never any met of a the never rest met a post of, office yeah. that he didn't want to name. But other than that, like, it's really hard to find any kind of legislative record. Um, uh, yeah, and just stuff like that. And um, what can I say? Uh, it's it's the feeling. I, I love the, my job. The feeling I always got with the New Times, and uh, you know, coming from the from the, the you know, my first. Reading, what do you think of us as a Herald writer? That's what I. This want. is what this is, is what that, I always thought. Yeah. This is the way I always felt about you guys. Was that we had a lot of um, uh, very, I guess the easiest word that I can think of is stodgy, but there is uh, there are better words. I would say more, I guess, established constraints on the natural bureaucratic constraints. To, yeah. Yeah. To, to, to sort of, um, to challenge power. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was, it definitely, I think got worse after I came on right at the tail end of Knight Ritter when McClatchy mm-hmm. bought the company and all the blood, Ugh. the night of a thousand yeah. knives started happening. And, Everybody was, you know, getting, you know, yeah. killed in the gutters and stuff like that. And, and you, you went into a newsroom, you, you walked out of the newsroom and there were 300 people working there. And then you walked in the next day and there were 200. And so, like, <laughs> that, that was from whence I came. And um, it, it, it always felt like we were just kind of 
we were doing we did like great stuff. I'm not going to say that the Herald doesn't continue oh, no, to do yeah. great stuff, but it always felt. And like I have friends this, there now, and I, I have yeah, nothing. My, my, everybody knows. Everybody yeah. on this podcast knows. My wife is an editor there, so like you hmm. know that that's what it is. But yeah. it it always felt like there was a specific kind of deference to power and convention that the New yes. Times didn't have to adhere to, and I loved that. I always loved that. Well, you, I mean, just as a full disclosure, and this is not a joke, uh, and this is by design, and I, I'm, I'm very happy it's this way. I mean, you'll get yelled at in the newsroom if you're not critical enough. It's, yeah. it's you know. Uh, a requirement. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, from Chuck, our, our executive editor, who, uh, I mean, I've uh, never worked full-time for a big daily paper, but I've, I've been an intern at, at a few of them, and you know, the executive editor tends to be sort of stashed away in some sort of big office or off doing stuff or not there for whatever reason that you have no idea how or why is not, you know. Uh, But Chuck, our executive editor, is six seats from me in his own little office that I can walk to at any time. And he's, you know, will walk out and just be like, hey, man, good job. You really gave it to him. And like, you know, daily, it's it's how it works. And it's, it's part of the culture. I think it's part of all weekly culture in general and why it's it's so sad to see uh, just no one to make the economic system work long term. Uh, we're, you know, as far as I'm aware, we're doing well economically and will be remaining so in the near future, uh, as much as I'm told, I guess. But, uh, you know, big picture, it's just part of the culture and it's, it's, it's why I love doing what I do. I don't think I could really do this because it's so being a reporter is so unbelievably thankless and uh solitary and soul crushing and hope crushing cynical and and, yes and how i think to myself a lot like how could i do this if i also had to be sort of deferential in some way to the people that i i whose decisions i i don't i don't want to say i loathe them as people Generally, I loathe some of them. Uh, some of the people I write about, I genuinely loathe as people. Uh, but I loathe most of their decisions, and, that's okay. and, I, and I don't. And that's healthy. Yeah. It's good. Yes, to be there. we understand. Uh, and I don't. Yes, and I, I, I just don't understand how I could do this without being able to just kind of light some people up. So hashtag blessed, up, and I think that's and, uh, yeah. And staying for the fireworks. So next time you feel like you're about to go do a, a Deadspin or Jezebel, don't type in MiamiNewTimes.com. Go check out uh, go check out Jerry or Tim or anybody over there's um, work that they're doing. Um, support some actual journalism happening on the ground in the city, not just people monitoring Reddit and waiting to write articles about you know the next hashtag or something like that. Go go support some real journalism, you animals. We already lost our really good uh, weekly paper in Vegas, man. It was like well, how long ago, Dave? Did did the city life go out? Oh of man, it's been years and it sucks. Now all that's left is we- the weekly, which is just yeah. an, like an advertisement for uh, like those yeah. bikini parties outside on the yeah. pools. You know, it's just yeah. like a, it's that's a forty. That's like sixty of the seventy pages. Is is that? Yeah, yeah it's like fucking jizz night at club. <laughs> <laughs> Not to laugh, I think that is genuinely what supports my paycheck at, at New Time. <laughs> as long as the checks um, keep clearing, man. Yeah. yeah. As long as they, as long as they can, you know. Mokai, you might want to yeah. pull that ad. They're probably not. Yeah, I don't think they'll be advertising anytime soon. 
All right. Well, thanks, Jerry. I appreciate yeah, you coming on, and it was awesome having you on. Jerry Ionelli, oh, everybody, fo- follow him on Twitter, at Jerry Ionelli, and yeah. also uh, MiamiNewTimes.com. You can read everything that he writes. I, I I will I will tell you um love hate. Okay. I don't have a hate this week. Instead I have two hates and just a thing I wanted to mention. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call that. <laughs> I just I'm just I'm concerned. <laughs> just a whole lot of a uh... Flying by the seat of our pants. A lot of liberties being taken with our our premise. <laughs> a whole lot of liberties being taken with you know our our, our structure of our show. I'd also like, like to play a can. song. Oh, damn it. <laughs> hey, for a little for a little a little C block. Why don't you tell me how you liked the first episode of of piecing it together? Tell me one like positive and one negative about the overall show. Like, um, okay, positive. Chad, negative. You <laughs> done uh-huh. and yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I will say the opening music's weird, dude. I don't know. I don't know if you're how married you are to it. I'm not. I'm not. Although I've gotten a few people tell me they really like it. And I had oh, one yeah. other per. I had one person tell yeah, me it was yeah, too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, I. I was uh, the one that told you it was too long. I think. No, no, it wasn't you. So that means it's two people told me it was too long. Well, I should matter a lot. I am. Yeah. Like your producer. No, I'm not set on it, and I'm gonna continue to make new music for it. Uh, you know, until I settle on something I'm really happy with. So I'll <laughs> tell you. Um, all right, let's move seamlessly out of uh, my critique of your. Your, well, you still haven't given me a good one. Yeah, I did. I said, um, oh, let me think. Okay. I do think you guys are very, very film school nerdy, which is good. I like that. Good. Um, yeah. I would say, I think, continue to not dumb it down. Continue yeah. to Continue to be nerdy. That would be Good. my 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 positive. I'm cool with say, that. Don't don't go the. All right, so that's enough about piecing it together. If you want to move on I to like the next thing, it together. everybody listen to piecing it together. It's the new yes. show from All Points West, our nascent um, podcast network. I was thinking of a thing. I'll tell you what I hate. Okay. Uh, as we move into love hate, I hate editing out the consistent problems i have with the word uh and um and also i hate my tendency to use other types of fillers like the word like and Mm. i'm thinking about maybe starting up a charity where i donate a dollar for every one of my uhs and ums and likes in, an, in, an, in each episode. <laughs> what do you think about that? That's a really good idea. Yeah. Like every time I, I, I like that. I fuck up. And then eventually I get to the point where I'm not doing any. And I'm like, fuck you, kids with 
you know, diseases. You don't get a penny from me. I was perfect today. Yeah. I think it's a great plan, honestly. Yeah. I think you should um, do that. Yeah, I, I gotta find the right uh, the right cause. You know? Do you really edit us and Oz and all that out? No, I don't keep that. Yeah, I, I was gonna like, say if I, a really I bad one, uh, like a throat clearing one. Those are terrible, yeah. and I take them out. And I definitely don't do it for you. I only do yeah. it for myself. It's not necessary. Nobody gives a shit. I mean, sorry. you know, I I listen to big podcasts. No, they don't edit on there. Who's the most insufferable person on podcasts that you listen to? I don't listen to that many podcasts. Matt Iglesias sounds like an asshole. I don't know who that is. He's the guy from Fox. He just, Uh, I can't stand his voice, dude. He's really smart, too. I mean, I don't really align with him on his, like, view on things a lot of times, but he's a very smart person, and he has very interesting things to say, but it's just so, like smarmy and wheedling and like <laughs> you, know, you gotta do this if you want that <laughs> I just don't know if that's the thing that we want to do <laughs> which is like the impression of you that I'm gonna do at your at your funeral <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget when Jewish Dave would call me up and say, oh, Q, what are you doing over there? Oh, no. And then everybody in the audience would be like, I don't, I don't think he talked that way. Did he talk that way? This is his like, best friend? This is his best friend? They'll be like, well, he hadn't really talked to anybody for like 30 years. He hadn't left his, he hadn't left his room for like 30 years. So Sounds like the guess. last 30 years of my life are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 56 minutes ago, you posted on Twitter some awesome reviews of Party Bus to Hell, formerly known as Party Bus to Hell, the movie I did the theme song theme song for. 56 minutes ago, you were on this fucking podcast. What the fuck is this? What's happening? Are you on your phone? That was you a scheduled post. piece of shit. Oh, I'm going to come through this fucking microphone. Are you kidding that was me? A, You're on your That was a scheduled phone. post. Oh my god, you're so lucky you're like 3,000 miles away from me. I'm sitting there feeling bad for you. Like, oh, I'm talking about South Florida politics and news and shit. And I feel bad Dave can't really chime in on this topic as much. Uh, you know, I, I really feel terrible that he... You, Did it, wait, 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 wait. There you are. Wait, wait, wait. Let, 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 let's oh, wait. talk here for a second. Did you feel bad about me? I felt bad for you, not about you. <laughs> What's your love? Um, yo, my Twitter feed has been pretty fi- on fire now. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a good follow on Twitter, guys. I don't think I ever promote my own Twitter feed on Bird Road at David underscore Quinones, but it's a fucking really good Twitter feed. Okay, so my my two quick loves. I'll just jump through them quick. First one is uh, I uh, saw a movie this week called Thoroughbreds, which is my first movie that I've truly loved this year so far, which, of course, makes me really happy that there's finally something that I'm really loving. Um, but we're going to actually be doing it on uh, I'm piecing it together. Uh, my co-host is going to be Josh Bell uh, from the Las Vegas Weekly for that one. 
I would say my love for the week would be a, a new Twitter account that I'm following. It's called um, it's called G Two Institute uh, at G Two Institute. It's the Institute of Gremlins Two Studies, and they <laughs> do a lot of academic work, deep research and insight politically, socioeconomically, and um, charts and graphs and science and math and shit uh basically framing the entire state of the world against the movie gremlins 2 and positing that it was like a prophetic vision of the future (laughs) it's a really fun 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 fucking follow dude i love it it's a great follow so um sounds pretty great that would that would be my um my love for the for the week don't forget to subscribe to the to us in the itunes store google play soundcloud we moved our hosts which means that you need to go give us more ratings. You need to give us more reviews. You need to... I don't think you have to subscribe to us again. But you do need to subscribe to Piecing It Together. Yes, uh, sir. Do it. Piecing It Together <laughs> everywhere. iTunes, all those things. The same things. Anywhere Bird Road is. iTunes. Uh, I want to thank our guest one more time. Jerry Ionelli. Again, he's from the uh, Miami New Times. The Alt Weekly. You can follow him on Twitter at, at jerryionelli.com. No, just at Jerry Ionelli. What am I saying? That's not the way that Twitter conventions work. <laughs> There's no dot .com at the end of them. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Bird Road Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Bird Road Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Bird Road Podcast. Those are too many social media accounts. My father does not think you need that many. Are you going to do our entire Black Panther episode in that voice? It remains to be seen. (laughs) I don't think I'll be able to get through it.